Welcome to this week's episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. And if your dream job or career doesn't exist, create it. Today, we get to talk with Sahara Rose, and that's exactly what she did. Sahara is a wellness travel coach and the founder of the Travel Coach Network. After traveling to over 84 countries solo, Sahara saw voids and shortages in the tourism industry, which led her to creating the world's very first platform for certified travel coaches around the world. Sahara is a TEDx speaker, published author, global speaker, and has been seen in 120 plus media outlets for her expertise in travel, including in Forbes, Business Insider, and Travel Weekly. Now for me, traveling is one of the best ways to learn more about yourself and the world around you. It allows us to explore different cultures, you know, try new things and gain insight into ourselves that we never knew before. So today we are thinking big about creating the life that we want. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. We have a very special guest today, and I want everyone to give a huge welcome to Sahara Rose and uh, welcome her to the show today. So welcome for being on. Thank you so much, Sean, for having me. I'm very excited to chat with you today. So here's the thing. I never got to travel when I was young. I never went, you know, we went to a couple different states, but I never did any at zero international travel until I was probably this is embarrassing, but probably in my thirties. And I don't think that I really grew as a human being until I actually started traveling and going to and learning about, you know, other, uh, other countries and other cultures that really opened up, uh, my, my eyes on, on how we, you know, how we are as humans. And, and, you know, it was almost like I was, uh, I don't know, living on the same page of a book over and over again and not seeing the, you know, not seeing the entire book. And it really felt alive when I started traveling and absolutely fell in love with travel. And now we do it all the time. It's such a big thing. So again, welcome. You know, we're going to get into your travel coaching and all this other stuff, but you know, what started your love for, for travel? Yeah, well, similar to yourself, I didn't grow up in a family that traveled. I didn't have relatives that traveled for business. I My grandma actually passed away before she ever went on a plane. So travel just wasn't in our blood, despite me having a name like Sahara Rose. Um, the wanderlust wasn't in my, my childhood. Our extension of uh, traveling was in the family van from Wisconsin down to Southern Texas to visit my grandparents, my grandmother's family in uh, Mexico in Southern Texas, and then up to Canada to visit my grandfather's family in the French region of, of Canada. But I was just so young, I, I remember bits and pieces of that. I, it wasn't until when I was in high school, I started hearing about this concept of backpacking, backpacking Europe in particular. I didn't know what that involved but it sounded pretty cool and then of course as a high schooler you're like well can i take some time off before i go to college so i grew up with an as an only child to a single mom we didn't have very much at all to uh, you know money free money and stuff to to travel with 
So I never even thought that it would be possible to travel abroad like that. I thought people had, you know, parents had paid for these expensive programs or, you know, a, a lot of what people think about when it comes to how expensive travel people think travel is. And I had the same mindset. And it wasn't until my third year university, I was changing universities and I had a very short window of time to find a program or school to get into in Chicago. And I was moving across the country and I came across this tourism hospitality program. And I was like, hey, travel, that sounds cool. Who doesn't want to do it? I'll learn about that. So I enrolled in this two-year program in Chicago. And in that program, I was very inspired by the different um, foreign exchange students who I had met who would talk about how they would easily travel to 10, 15, 20 plus countries. And I was like, that's, who can do that in the States? I could barely afford a ticket to like across the state or, you know, we have to drive everywhere. And, um, uh, my, t my professor at the time was also very inspiring with how much of he traveled. So something in me, I said, I'm going to figure out how I can travel. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I was a broke college student living in an expensive city of Chicago and I had <coughs> no way for anyone to help me. So I decided to take it upon myself upon graduating in 2010. I was like, I changed my money mindset and I saved enough money upon graduating and I booked a one-way ticket to Ireland and I got bit by the travel bug. <laughs> I tell you when, when it, when it kicks in, it, it does kick in. Where, so where's your, where's the favorite place you, you've ever been? I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go deep right up front. Where, where's the favorite place that you have ever traveled to? Yeah, it's, that's obviously a, a tough question. I've traveled over 84 countries and over the decade and um, I, I really do love the Philippines. I lived in the Philippines for a little over a month and I went back a couple times. I, I was there because I was in Southeast Asia at the time in Taiwan when a super typhoon was going through the Philippines. In Chicago, I had met and worked with a lot of Filipinos. So I was inspired. I was like, hey, I'm going over to Asia. I'll go over there and didn't know what to expect. And because a typhoon, though, it was like the largest typhoon recorded in history hit part of the Philippines. And I waited a little bit of time in order to finally be able to fly in there. And I in that time of waiting, I researched and found a group of volunteers. And I said, if I make my way there, can I stay with you and help? And I ended up living on an island off the coast of Cebu, which is one of the main, main cities. And I lived there in this disaster zone that had very little electricity, flooding. It looked like a tornado hit it, which it did. And I fell in love with the people and the culture and the families and everyone I met there. And I went back two years later to revisit the same exact island to watch it flourish. And it was absolutely incredible. So the people of the Philippines, they taught me a lot about what matters in life and what doesn't. So that's one of my most memorable destinations. That's amazing. And you do what's called travel coaching. So what, what exactly is travel coaching? Yeah. So when I, there's a couple different definitions out there. When I started my well, my own wellness travel coaching uh, business in the end of 2018, 
I, my journey within that was because in 2010, I graduated with a degree in hospitality and tourism management. I could have easily taken any hospitality or travel or hotel job that Chicago offered or, or work for a company that quote unquote paid you to travel for business. But I had a wanderlust and I, at 22 and I wanted to be able to see more than what I was able to do. So that's why I decided to skip the corporate route. But within that 10 years of traveling, I still was struggling for a really long time to figure out what my career path was. I didn't like planning and booking people's trips. So I didn't want to be a travel agent. I didn't want to write about travel. I didn't want to be a blogger. I didn't want to be an influencer. None of that aligned with my values and how much I, my perspective on how transformative and healing travel is. So when I... It was, um, I was, I always gave myself time to when I was 30. I don't know why. I said, when I'm 30, I'll quote unquote figure out my life. <laughs> and I reached 30. So I started researching online jobs and, and travel businesses because I felt like because I couldn't find what I was looking for, I was going to have to create it myself. And so I started that journey and I came across the coaching industry, life, business, health, wellness coaches. And I said, it clicked. And I said, I want to be a travel coach. So as I was building my wellness travel coaching business, where I talked to companies on the value of travel, um, I was getting a lot of others, travelers and travel agents, reaching out to me, asking about how they could learn to become a travel coach. And because there wasn't a, a platform or a place for it, I kind of was just creating my own business along the way. I designed the Travel Coach Network. So a travel coach under the definition of the Travel Coach Network is, is a travel professional who helps people set intentions for their trips. So when you can think about like it in a sense of travel therapy, you're pulling these answers from within of why do you really want to get away? What are you actually looking for out of this experience? Because when we can identify that, we can now better decide on where to go, what type of things to do, who to travel with, how long we need to travel for. So that travel, because travel is a tool for us to improve our well-being, our relationships, our work life, our personal development, and more. It's using travel as a tool more mindfully and intentionally. That is so interesting on on doing it that way and looking at travel in, in that, you know, in that sense rather than just going somewhere to, to go somewhere. So what do you think the biggest reasons are people are going to travel? Yeah, well, I was just reading a um, 2023 travel predictions article that booking.com came out with uh, just the other day. And I was reading it just the other day. And I pulled out some of their statistics that I found the most interesting. I don't have the specific statistics, but a lot of them talked about how people wanted to get off go off the beaten path. They wanted to get out of their comfort zone. They wanted to be immersed in an experience that made them forget about their daily life. They wanted experiences that made them feel alive again and find purpose again. So a lot of the statistics were talking about this common theme of why we travel in the first place. And to see that being reported by travelers, I found it really interesting moving forward in the next year. So why people really travel? Travel is personal, it's healing, it's transformative. And we all travel for very specific reasons. Every time we travel, it's for a different reason. I always say we have different travel per personas when we travel. Um, and so it's, again, going back to using travel as that tool to help us. 
but we've always done this. We just are now starting to do it a, a bit more mindfully and intentionally. For me, when I travel, I actually prefer to not have plans, not have things scheduled out. I love to go and just, I would actually go and do hostels and stuff, but my wife is like, there's no way I'm ever, <laughs> she, she, she's much more the, the Hilton side. And I'm, you know, I'm just, I'd love to just go. And what you said, I like going to the places where the locals are, not where the tourists go, not where, that's where I actually grow. I, I don't know if I'd say I grow the most, but I, but I love going to those uh, places where nobody knows it's the local stuff. It's uh, I think I get more benefit from traveling, doing that than, than a scheduled, Hey, we're going to go here. We're going to stay in this spot. We're going to, you know, spend a couple of days here. We're going to go to this museum. We're going to go, you know, I'd rather just free flow and, and just, uh, see what the local, see what it takes me, see where it takes me. Yeah. Locals and local community are, uh, very popular topics in the tourism hospitality industry moving forward as well. I was also reading a recent study by the Global Wellness Institute, which came out with um, travelers who were looking for wellness experiences in wellness destinations. And what they reported, and I found this super interesting, was more than 50% for each answer they chose nature and wildlife as well as local healthy foods far over, which was like in the 20%, both fitness activities and spas. And I found that very interesting because the wellness tourism industry was is run off the spa industry and all we hear about these luxury spa experiences. But as we see travelers, they're telling you like travel is healing to me in so many different ways that boils back down to the foundation, the fundamentals of travel, people and place. So we hear culture, human connection, time in nature. And that's why I think when we have these more spontaneous experiences when we travel and when we don't have a very strict itinerary, it's in those moments that we can have the most meaningful, memorable, transformative experiences than had we been stuck with a strict itinerary that kind of dictated what our overall experience was going to look like because we never know what travel is going to bring us. Now, have you looked into, so one of my friends does travel stuff, but it's, it's actually medical travel. It's like they, they hook up, you know, different medical procedures for different areas and actually do travel, uh, for, for medical. I mm -hmm. mean, it's something I never even, I never even considered, but it's something that's, I'm hearing more and more of this, these, uh, you know, traveling for purpose reasons. Yeah, medical tourism is on the rise as well. I was just watching a webinar about that, and um, that's expanding tremendously, whether it's um, people traveling for medical procedures, no matter how minor they are. It could be dentistry. Um, it could be nutritionists or surgery. So there's, it's really expanding. It's just really, I guess the definition of medical tourism is something along the lines of just someone crossing borders to a different destination in order for uh, some sort of medical procedure. And we're seeing and hearing a lot more in the medical tourism industry. There is also, which also is super interesting, is that during the pandemic, there were many doctors in particular in the UK who were prescribing time in nature for patients struggling with stress and anxiety, which 
I've done a lot of research over the years in the different mental, physical, overall wellness benefits of travel. And we hear about things like blue spaces and green spaces. So bodies of water uh, and the green spaces, anything in nature, trees, plants, forestry. So I, you might have heard like forest bathing in Japan, but we're hearing and seeing a lot more doctors and medical experts, what they say, quote unquote, prescribed travel uh, for patients. And I can see that industry, that market also really thriving. I have many medical experts in my travel coach network too, who are combining travel coaching with what they, um, you know, how they run their business. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've noticed is I talk with people here in the U S that don't necessarily travel that much. And I always hear, you know, this safety issue. So I can't believe you're going so-and-so that's not safe. It's like, and it's like, what's weird is when I go to these places and I've been to some pretty sketchy, <laughs> what, what people would consider to be, you know, sketchy places back in the you know nineties in Colombia, uh, in Turkey, a lot of places in, in Turkey. And it's like, I have never felt more welcome in these areas that people say they're just so you go talk with the locals and they are just amazing, amazing people wherever that I've gone. And it's like, I don't know. Where do you think that stigmatism came from of, oh, you can't, you don't want to travel. That's, that's dangerous. Yeah, that's a really good question. Actually, I touched on a little bit of that when in my TED talk that I just gave in October um, about putting ourselves in environments where, to, and to have that experience versus listening to and help and and forming our opinions based on what we hear in the news the media or you know word of mouth in our communities and that's just really how powerful travel is is being able to make you put yourself into someone else's shoes so that's why i think that thought of it's dangerous those are dangerous places that's unsafe which obviously as a solo female who i've traveled to myanmar I've traveled to India, Morocco, Colombia, all over the world. And just like you said, I've never felt more safe and cared for and comfortable than had I been when I was working late nights in downtown Chicago. And it's, of course, there's always the safety measures you need to take, especially as a woman. But I do the same thing living in, you know, my hometown. Um but it's that mindset. I can guarantee if you talk to travelers who get outside of their comfort zone and go to some of these quote unquote scarier places, I bet you they don't give you that, sa that same opinion or that same cautionary advice as someone who's never been there. They just heard about it or they heard about the culture, or they heard about the people. But it's like, I always say, if everyone traveled, the world would be a much kinder place. We'd be a lot more accepting and understanding of one another because you'll understand what it's like to be in someone else's home place and to all you want is acceptance and safety and security. Absolutely. I, I, I'm 100% on board with that. And it's, it's just so funny that you, you know, that, that it's, it's like I have friends that spent, I don't know, three years in uh, Mexico that moved down there to, to, to live there for three years. And we would go, so we're in Houston and it's literally a hour and a half, two hour flight nonstop directly from Houston to virtually any place in, in Mexico. So it's, it, it's closer than flying to Dallas. I mean, it's, it's just, it's nothing. And people even here is like, oh, you, I can't believe you go to Mexico. I can't believe you do that. It's just, it just does not make any sense to, uh, to me and, and, and why this, 
I don't know this mentality is is still out there, but yeah, I I agree. If, if people actually spent time in other in other countries and other cultures, they would see that it's not like they think it is in their in in their mind. Yeah, it's not what you hear, but it's like that's such a sad approach to life in general to form opinions based off of you know the the scary here stuff we hear in the media and. Um, but yet we're all human beings on this planet and we all have, we crave love and affection and acceptance and we all feel pain and hunger and, and joy and laughter. So going to places where you get to see these different lifestyles and, and, and belief systems really enriches you as a person and makes you more well-rounded than if you stuck to your own beliefs and your own community and your own mindset. Um, yeah, travel just really is a powerful tool for that. So I think that people who do travel to some extent, you don't have to be a world traveler to realize that the world's not as scary as it's made out to be. So one of my biggest lessons, I think, in, in some of the traveling that, that I've learned is going to some poor countries where they don't have the means that we have and mm-hmm. you know, everything that we have in the U.S., but they're the happiest people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't understand. It's like, it's not about the money. It's not about, it's, there's happier, happier than, than 95% of the people I see walking around uh, Houston. So, yeah, it's a, that's exactly one of the reasons why I fell in love with the people of the Philippines was because when I arrived to the Bentayan Island and saw that it was destroyed, people were living in their, in trees because their homes were knocked down. Their homes already were not lavish homes. They were, you know, weak enough to be blown over by the wind. They already had very minimal things in their life. And whatever they did have was stripped away from them, from the waters, from the storm, from the the winds. And the weather was still very bad, yet they welcomed us with open arms and smiles and let us come into their homes to sleep when it was raining and to feed us. And they smiled and waved at us every day and they played with us and they gave us things. And I remember the very first day when I arrived, it was um, one of the locals' birthdays. So the volunteers had found a family and said, hey, if we if we fix up your property and your fence, it was one of the beachfront properties, um, we could our volunteers just put tents on your on your land and we'll pay you also to cook us breakfast lunch and dinner to the mom and she said yeah so i it was one of her daughter's birthday so when i arrived the only restaurant that had some sort of electricity and some food left um was this one in particular so i sat at this table with all these brand new people and people in this culture i've never been uh, experienced before i sat next to the birthday girl and I've always taken care of kids. I've always babysat and nannied. And so her and her little brother got a burger to share. And as soon as the waiter put it down, I grabbed it right away to cut it in half to make it easier for them. And I didn't say anything because I didn't speak their language. And they didn't know who the stranger was. And I remember as I put it in front of me to cut it, she hands me her ketchup. And I'm processing, like, why did she just give me her ketchup? And I give them their pieces and she said, you don't want my burger? So that moment touched me because I'm like, this little girl who lost everything, who went through a traumatic experience with this storm, has nothing. It's her birthday and some stranger stole her burger from her and yet she's still willing to give me her burger. Like that speaks volumes to yeah. humanity. 
So on the travel coaching, what this still that you know, it's why I wanted to, to bring you on the podcast. It, it absolutely fascinates me on going to do this as a living and, and what you do. I mean, you you run the you know a, a group of coaches to to do exactly this. So what if someone's wanting to get into travel coaching? What are some of the things that what does that look like for, for somebody? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I do run the world's first and only ICF accredited certification program for travel coaches. But just some tips to getting started, though, are things to really just self-reflect on what travel means to you and what's your message about travel. When you can identify what you actually care about when it comes to travel and you can identify who you want to help with that, you can then start laying that foundation for your business. For example, I know for myself as a wellness travel coach, my goal was to empower and educate companies on the value of travel, embracing travel in their company culture, in their team engagement, and in their employee well-being for corporate wellness. So for example, taking vacations more, providing support for it, sabbaticals, or um, and then also business travel industry and leisure and what that can look like. So that happened to be what I cared more about, but every travel coach focuses on something so different. And I hear a lot of them who focus on things like divorced women or widows or parents traveling with their kids who want to, who are able to do it and want to inspire other families to feel like they can't afford and they can't travel despite having a family. So there's so many different kind of categories. Um, I'm learning by the day as my network grows, um, and like I said, medical experts who have come in, I wouldn't even have thought of that. Um, and so just a way to get started is of course that beginner's guide to travel coaching kind of takes you through the steps, but I know you're going to provide that for everyone. Um, but we do have an open community that's free on Facebook as well to, I am always dropping snippets of my trainings and my modules and everything in there too. And so one of the things, you know, so you mentioned that uh, beginner's uh, guide to travel coaching. I'll definitely put that in in the show notes so people, uh, everyone can click on it and go to it. But I, I see that, especially if you're wanting to be a travel coach, but I see benefit in that from anybody that's just for, for traveling. I mean, mm -hmm. I th there's good information in that outside of just for the coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, I forgot to mention that many travel agents combine travel coaching with their services as a travel agent. So we're seeing more of that um, life coaching, lifestyle guru um, type of um, perspective coming into the travel agent industry, especially as we come out of the pandemic. But absolutely, the Travel Coach Network is also for travelers. We just relaunched our platform and it became the world's first searchable database of travel coaches. And there's a section where my travel coaches provide resources resources for free for travelers, depending on what it is that you best relate to. So that's always a section there too. But when it comes to just travelers, asking yourself, why do I want to get away? What am I actually looking for? How do I want to feel when I return from this trip? What kind of trip, what kind of experiences am I truly looking for that's not going to bring me back home to make me either burned out or, you know, now I have to wait a whole nother year to go on vacation and now you're in that mindset funk again. Um, you know, really being able to use travel as that vessel to help you in what you're struggling with during that planning phase of the trip, why, why you want to travel in the first place. So we had an exchange student from from Germany that came and lived with us. This was, God, maybe 10 years ago, but we stay in touch all the time. Matter of fact, she was just here visiting. It's weird you you see other cultures like in, you know, this is in Germany, where they have to take, mm -hmm. I think it's like 
60 days of vacation a year. It's like they're paid. It's like they have to do that. Do you ever see the U.S. catching up to other parts of the world on mandating and, and, and making sure that people actually take their vacations and their time? It's just, it, yeah, I just find it odd that, that how we, how we do it in the U S yeah, we've are we, that's why I became a wellness travel coach because the lack of all of that, when I was researching and diving into all of that and how yet we had a, a roaring burnout epidemic among workers in the workplace. Well, no, no kidding. Like, People are not encouraged to take their vacations. They're not supported to take their vacations. They're not allowed to talk about their vacations and they barely take their vacations. Um, we, there are some companies like Ernest and Young, especially the Oceania region as a company that has always held that value of travel and vacations. Some companies have toyed around with the idea of paying their travel, their employees to go on vacation. They have to use it for that. Um, and that was before the pandemic. So as because of the pandemic, employee or well-being in general, corporate wellness is through the roof. There's still a lot of work to do when it comes to the value of travel in corporate wellness. And that's what my mission is. Um, but companies are starting to wake up a bit more. They are realizing that remote work is something that involves travel, that people are desiring, hence the great resignation to get people back into the workplace. Um, get You gave a people a taste of freedom and flexibility. They're not going to let it go. Um, and now what does that added support look like for remote workers? How can they make the best of changing different destinations and working in new environments? And that's where the value of travel and support comes into play as well. And especially in the business travel industry, there's just a big, um, report that came out, uh, with Microsoft and a lot of different <coughs> teams. And they were talking about adding that leisure aspect, but also just, again, changing the value of travel instead of seeing travel as an, as an expense, see it as an investment. And that's how companies should also be looking for their employee well-being as well, too. It's changing that mindset. But as we know, in any industry, it's not easy to change a, a mindset that's been there for so long, but baby steps, baby steps. And that's part of what, um, what my mission is. You know, you mentioned a little bit about the, you know, the great resignation and, and people actually, working remote and doing their, you know, I've seen so much of that obviously since the pandemic mm -hmm. that, you know, kind of kicked it all off, but it intrigues me on these businesses or these things that people are doing to now start living the way that they want to, you know, remotely, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that, you know, uh, coaching, travel coaching, that you can do this from anywhere. You're not tied down to any one spot in it. And actual, in actuality, I would think that actually traveling more while you're doing this as a as a job actually is even more beneficial than than doing <laughs> doing it in one spot. Yeah, that's that's one of the perks of becoming a travel coach or combining travel coaching with your current role is having that flexibility and that freedom to get up and go to wherever you want. Um, but again, it depends on what niche or kind of area you're in obviously if you're a doctor and you're combining you know prescription travel or travel coaching with it you, you probably are at a hospital i know for myself um i traveled 10 years um straight and so i'm kind of pretty stationary at the moment um but that flexibility is in there as well we're seeing i was seeing when i was just a backpacker this idea of remote work or what they call digital nomadism on the rise pre-pandemic and 
that's one of the reasons why I got into wellness travel coaching for companies because I said, well, people are quitting their nine to five to travel. It became like a tagline, you know, quit the quit your corporate job to travel the world, quit the cubicle and, you know, work, you know, a freedom based lifestyle. We're hearing all this and companies were kind of like, ah, those are those crazy millennials, you know, they're. <laughs> They're not focused on anything. Yeah, they're not focused on anything. And it's 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 all a, a, a phase. And sure enough, look at what's happening. The pandemic happened. You gave everyone time to reevaluate what matters most to them. And their, and their time is one of them. And that flexibility. And now companies are, are scrambling to catch up and be like, okay, what, how do we, what does this look like? What does remote work look like from, um, you know, immigration standpoint, tax standpoint, logistics standpoint, team engagement standpoint, um, getting people back in the workplace standpoint. And I'm like, Hey, you should have been listening a long time ago. I, I, I was like, why are companies not paying attention to this? This must be a problem. If they, if people are quitting their job to travel, you know, why are they, what that, that's honestly what inspired me to start researching the, um, corporate burnout, workplace burnout of why they weren't using their vacation days. I said, what does travel look like in companies where people were quitting their job to travel? Like we mentioned, non-existent. I say, let's make 2023 the year of, uh, travel again, I think. So did you see a whole bunch of, uh, people stop obviously during the pandemic? Do you, do you, let me rephrase that. Do you, uh, do you see most things opening back up now that, uh, kind of the pandemic settled down a little bit and, and people are starting to get back out. Yeah, travel-wise, absolutely. Some of the most successful companies right now on NASDAQ are travel tourism hospitality companies. Travel is innate in us. It is, we naturally crave it. And so, especially if it's taken away for so long, People are going to do it one way or another. Um, so we were seeing things like Airbnb still soaring through the pandemic. We saw concepts like RV travel as well. So any way that people were able to travel, we heard of things like well, there was a lot more solo travel. There was also like pod travel where people traveled in a group and stayed in the group. Um, it was very interesting. A lot of outdoors adventure companies did really well, kayaking, things where people can be separated. Um, so it's still forms of travel. So now, yes, more than ever, people are, everything is opening up, um, which it was going to, I knew travel wasn't going to go away. Um, it was just a matter of what did that look like once we got to the COVID um, situations all kind of under control. Now we're seeing all of these this depth being added, now companies are starting to change their marketing and their messaging a little bit. They need more help um, yeah. on things like transformative travel, wellness travel, meaningful travel. And as some of those reports, like I mentioned, people are that's what people are looking for. So we'll see where that all goes um, moving forward into the new year. Fantastic, Sahar Rose. Thank you so much for being on and actually enlightening me about some of these traveling things and especially traveling coaches. I knew there was different areas, but I didn't know the depth of what traveling coaching is. And I think that's a fantastic way to, uh, uh, start a side gig. I mean, I, I, I don't know how much time, you know, is required to, you know, fully get, uh, get into being a travel coach, but I would, I would imagine that it's something that once you're a certified coach that you can kind of do, on your own time, mm -hmm. if you want to put in 20 hours a week again, I don't know, but it seems like it would be a very good thing to, uh, uh, to do as a, as a 
you know, side hustle for, for many people that are looking to get out of that corporate and, and start at least start doing something uh, that they can control and they manage. Yeah, absolutely. Well, once you set a foundation for your business, you know, you can treat it as you want. It's the amount of energy you put into an effort is what you're going to get out of it, just like any business. Um, and so that's why we're seeing a lot of life coaches already who have a, a set coaching business, they're just now adding travel coaching to it. Um, and so I've seen so many new roles of different profession, professions adding travel coaching to it. So it depends on if someone's starting from complete scratch, if they're just a travel coach or they're combining it with something like many travel agents do, you, it's an easy um, kind of adjustment into that once you you know do the training through the certification program. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on, uh, be on the podcast and uh, look forward to, uh, to some travels this year. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. 